Thank you for joining us and for listening to our podcasts. We hope that this may enrich your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's do something here. I'm going to let you look over the chart of his first coming between now and when we come back after lunch. So let's pass out chart number two, the first coming of the Lord. And we're going to look at the 15 major events. Okay? Are you with me? We're going to see, on your chart, you'll see uh, the English, you know, we're, we're doing English first, is that it? Uh, brothers, are we doing English first? We're, the chart has the 15 major events that occurred in the first coming. So do you think they should occur in the second coming? What do you think? Beginning and end? All the events of Moses, the major events regarding Moses and how he started the Old Testament period, all, every single one of them repeated at the end of the Old Testament period. And then Jesus began the New Testament period with 15 different events. Any chance that that gives us the key to knowing what's going on in our day? We're going to see that it does so biblically. Not private interpretation. We're going to see it in the Bible. Principally in Revelation. All right, let's put the chart up on the screen and you got your chart in your hand. Let's just look at a few of the <clears throat> details. The descendants of Abraham waited for 2,000 years for the Messiah to come. And the Jews know this. I mean, the Jews are big on dates. There were there were 2,000 years between Adam and Abraham, 2,000 years from Abraham to Christ, and now 2,000 years from the first coming to the second coming. And I'll show you later in the scripture that we know that. The, the Bible makes that clear. Before his birth, there was a period of weeks. You see that on the chart? And as we're going to see, Daniel revealed the year of the first coming and the year of the second coming by means of the dates of the commands. The commands. Command for the first restoration of the nation after Babylon and the command for the second restoration of the nation after Rome took over. And they never recovered their independence. And all of this is in the, seventh, in the final victory. The third point, 
God's people had great fear and hatred of Rome. Is that true or not? In the Bible you see it, right? They, were, they hated Rome. Understandable, Rome came in and took their country. Took control, total control. But Rome was not a concern for Jesus. He never was bothered by Rome. And you know, Rome was a great blessing to the gospel. And some will say, oh no, but they killed 500,000 martyrs. That's true over different periods, but not always. Rome saved the life of the Apostle Paul. From, they were going to kill him in Jerusalem. If Rome hadn't saved Paul, much of the New Testament would never have been written. Rome paid for him to live for two years in the Promised Land as a prisoner. Rome paid for his trip to Rome. Paul said he was going to go to Rome, so he went to Rome free of charge. And they paid for his own hired house, rented house, for two years while he preached the gospel to the Romans. That's pretty amazing. And while he was in prison, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. So Rome isn't, wasn't all that bad. In fact, because of Rome's law, you see this in the book of Acts, because of Rome's laws, their roads, their organization, and their language, it was much, much easier to get the gospel out. And finally, in the year 1315, Rome was conquered by Christianity and became a Christian empire. So, it wasn't all that bad. Yeah, 500,000 martyrs, but at different times under evil Caesars, evil kings. But it wasn't always total chaos. His coming was with a birth. It was clearly national news. Initially, all Israel heard about the coming of their Messiah sooner or later. Imagine this scenario. You, you see this, uh, you see it on your chart, right? Came with a birth. First of all, Gabriel appears to Zacharias in the temple. There are a multitude of Jews outside in the outer court. And that court still exists today. I've been there many times. My wife has also. It's big enough to hold 250,000 people. The nation would come three times a year to worship the Lord during the three major feasts. So they had to have a lot of room. So here, Zacharias is in the temple, and when he comes out, the multitude, it says, was there. They realized he'd seen a vision. Gabriel had appeared to him. Then, shortly after, Gabriel appeared to Mary. 
Surely also the news of an elderly woman having a child, Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife, that got around, don't you think? Hey, this is like back in like the days of Abraham, our father. What's going on? Some months later, an angel appeared to the shepherds in Bethlehem and said to them that the Messiah had come. And he said, the angel said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ, that's the Messiah, the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That's an amazing statement. Studying the Greek and Hebrew, swaddling clothes was a specific type of garments that were used on the very day the baby was born. You understand? It was a special cloth and all that for, to protect the absolutely newborn baby. So the angels making it clear to him, this baby was just born. But guess where? In a manger. <clears throat> and uh, I've shared with you for years, the Bible makes it clear that when Joseph and Mary arrived in Bethlehem, there was no room for them in the end because they, Joseph was from there. His family was there. And they had heard that he fell into immorality. That's what they believed. And Mary couldn't even tell her parents, no, 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 this is a miracle. And the parents would have said, mm, I think we better put you in a special home. <laughs> a miracle? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're betrothed to Joseph? Well, you know, what happened was the, the regular betrothal, as we practice it in Hebron, was established by God through Moses. But in about nine, in 163 B.C., the Pharisees took over and eliminated it. It wasn't permitted. And as Jesus said, they made life hard for the people. Heavy burdens. But anyway, it wasn't immorality. Nobody, none of Joseph's family would take him in. Not even the innkeeper. No room for you in the inn. And it says, while they were there, the days... Were fulfilled. Didn't happen that night when they got there. Every day, sure, for sure, at the beginning, Joseph would go to the innkeeper. Uh, did anyone leave today? No, no room for you guys. Uh, we're doing you a great favor to put you in a stable, you fornicators. Uh, so, no, no, no room. Day after day, no one left. No, no room for you. And the days were fulfilled. They were living in the stable. What a, what a message. What humility and meekness. But can you imagine when the, when the shepherds came and said, he is the Messiah, the angel told us, and we got all these witnesses, pastors that were there. He's the Messiah. All of a sudden, Uncle Hezekiah appears. Hey, Joseph, uh, you want to come to my house? Mm, no, I already have 10 invitations. 
<laughs> to live in a house now. <laughs> and when the wise men came, they were in a house, the Bible says. <clears throat> Suddenly, everyone wanted to have them. <laughs> they found out they were, this was a miracle baby. <laughs> anyway, then Simeon in the temple, obviously super well-known in Israel. He was an old man, a prophet said he had just seen the Messiah when he, dedic when he dedicated him. Then Anna comes in and tells everyone this is him. And she's a prophetess and she lives in the temple. The whole nation knew about her. But then there was a spiritual tsunami in Israel when the wise men from the east came and a star led them and they came and said, your king has been born. We know, we saw his star in the east and we followed it here. Where, where would he have been born? Well, you know the story. <clears throat> Herod was jealous. But said, he says, well, let me know where he's at so I can come and worship him. And so they took off. And don't let the ungodly minimize the miraculous, which is what people have done with the book about how the planets aligned up and it all became, it was all just natural. No, it was supernatural. The star waited for them while they talked with the people in Jerusalem for what, days maybe? And then it led them to Bethlehem and it stopped right over the house where he was. That's not planets lining up. How absurd. It was a supernatural miracle from the Father of Heaven. It was His star. Amen. But then, what a, what a tsunami when Herod killed 300 babies. By then, they're learning all about this Messiah. When Jesus, the fifth point on your chart, when Jesus was born, infants were slaughtered, 300 of them. Then point six, between all the national fervor about the coming of the Messiah and the beginning of his ministry, there was a 30-year period of waiting. It could be called the delay in his appearing, and Jesus said there would be a delay. The Old Testament began with a delay. How many of you are aware of that? The Old Testament period began with a delay of 30 years. How do we know? God told Abraham in Genesis 15 that his descendants would be oppressed for 400 years and be servants. They'd live in a strange land for 400 years and end up being oppressed and slaves. Then, when they left Egypt the night of the Passover, I mean, imagine how Israel was waiting for their deliverance from Egypt. They knew who Abraham was. They knew the promises of the Lord. They knew about Abraham offering his son. They knew all that personal family history. They knew that they were supposed to be delivered in 400 years. For sure, many of them were waiting 
anxious. But the night of the Passover when they were delivered, the Bible says it was precisely the very day of 430 years. They had a 30-year delay. The New Testament began with a 30-year delay. Jesus was born in the manger, and the whole nation was shaken to the core, especially when Herod did what he did. And then, nothing for 30 years. And out of nowhere, Jesus of Nazareth appeared and did a gave a revelation of the gospel of the kingdom. Amen? That's what's going to happen now. We're in a 30-year delay. We'll see that later. The kingdom age is beginning with a 30-year delay. The Old Testament age did. The New Testament age began with a 30-year delay. The kingdom age, the millennium, is beginning with a 30-year delay. And Jesus said twice, Matthew 24 at the end and Matthew 25 at the beginning, there would be a delay in his coming. John, point seven, John the Baptist went before Christ in the spirit and power of Elijah. Jesus called him Elijah in Matthew 17. Point eight, then three and a half years of Christ's ministry occurred. Three and a half years. Then point nine, his people were tested by his ministry. Some believed he was a great man of God. Others considered him to be demonic or even satanic, called him Beelzebub. Um, maybe you're starting to get the idea, no, this isn't going to be repeated. Well, let's wait and see. I mean, till this afternoon. <laughs> Not till uh, a few more years. Years. Point 10, his enemies kill him. He allowed it. He laid down his life. He said so. They couldn't kill him. They tried several times, but he, he avoided it. But when it was time to lay down his life, he did. Point 11, divine judgment comes on the harlot. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 13 to 39, he ended by saying, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. We'll see later about that harlot. 2000.12, 2,000 years before the cross, Father Abraham offered his son on the same, in the same place. Mount Moriah, that's the, the mount. It's really just a colina, so you say no? For, for the Mexicans, just a little hill. But it's the mount of Jerusalem, where Jerusalem is. That, that's where Jerusalem is, Mount Moriah. And that's where Abraham offered his son. And almost for sure, it was in the exact same spot that Jesus would be offered 2,000 years later. And we know the exact spot. I've been there a good number of times with my wife and others. 
it's not the Catholic Church's church, the so-called um, Church of the uh, Sepulchre. No, no. It's outside the Damascus Gate, and it's right next to a rich, very rich man's vineyard. His, his cistern still exists. It's enormous. And it was clearly a garden, and the sepulcher hewn out of stone is still there with the, the canal channel that the big stone rolled in. It's all there. And the early church had a church there. They have inscriptions that prove it. The early church knew where he was buried, for sure, no. <laughs> not, in, not in the city. It, uh, it, it, proper, I should say, city proper. Then, after his death, there was a resurrection of Christ, and also, how many remember, many Old Testament saints rose with him? You remember that? Matthew chapter 27, 52 and 53 says so. Many Old Testament saints, they don't doesn't say Old Testament, but it says many of the saints, well, they were Old Testament, they, they rose with the Lord and obviously went to heaven with him. When he was caught up in a rapture in the clouds in Acts 1-9, remember? He was caught up in the air and went up in the clouds. And immediately after that rapture, there was a worldwide reaping that began in Acts chapter 2. A worldwide reaping of souls after his ascension. If you can make it back this afternoon, we're going to look to see if any of this is being repeated in the second coming. Because if it isn't, then he's not the beginning and the end, is he? He is the beginning and end, and everything that God does, he begins it and ends it with the same works, same miracles, same lessons, same discourses. And that's what we're going to see this afternoon, with the Lord's help. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hebron Ministries podcasts. Christ in us is the hope of glory. We hope that Christ may be glorified in the church. If you would like to know more about Hebron Ministries International, please visit us at www.hebronministries.com. Thank you.